Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Today's episode features an excerpt from a webinar in our SG Engage Rethinking Change series. You'll hear from Miko Marquette Whitlock, also known as the Mindful Techie, on how to make space for mindfulness and intentionality to avoid burnout in a world of uncertainty and greater reliance on technology to communicate. To learn more from Miko, click on the links in the show notes for the full webinar and additional helpful resources. Enjoy the episode. One of the challenges that we have and how our lives have been impacted and how our works have been impacted is that we are contending with so many different distractions that are in our lives, right? And those distractions make it challenging for us to really begin to focus on the things that are really important to be able to show up as our best, right? So we see things like what we're experiencing or what we have experienced in the U.S. with the election and the sort of the nonstop flood of news and information that we've been inundated by. Uh, We see, for example, the fact that it's not lost on me that this is not your first or your last, perhaps, of conversations mediated by video like what we're having today. And that has a real toll on us because the effect of Zoom exhaustion is a very real phenomenon that we're experiencing. Um, For example, right now, there's a latency of a few seconds and we're not able to see each other, right? And that is an unnatural form of human communication. um, And we're more able to connect and to have to spend mental energy bridging that gap when we're actually in person. When we're online, through mediated channels like what we're experiencing right now, our brains have to actually spend time making up that gap. And that costs us energy, right? So for many of us, we feel like we're more exhausted at the end of our days and at the end of our weeks, more so than perhaps before the pandemic. And part of the reason has to do with the fact that the onslaught of information and how we're connected to technology has changed. But we're also spending more time kind of filling gaps in terms of how we connect um, that were that we didn't have before the pandemic because we were able to meet in person more readily. And then we, we layer on top of this the fact that many of us are trying to work longer and harder. Um, we are um, leaning into this idea that we can multitask and do multiple things simultaneously. And we know that that's simply not the case, that the science tells us that it is physically impossible for us to do multiple things simultaneously and that what's actually happened when we try to do multiple things simultaneously is that our brain is rapidly switching back and forth between multiple tasks at the same time. Now for multiple low-level tasks or if you're combining a low-level task with a high-level task such as for example listening to a little bit of music while you are getting work done then perhaps that is okay but when you combine multiple high-level tasks you know, think of driving and trying to get dressed at the same time, for example, or think of trying to check your email and respond to email while you're trying to be fully present for a virtual meeting. Those would be examples of doing those multiple things simultaneously and the impact that that has. And so for many of us, we think that at the end of our days and our weeks that our productivity looks a bit like what we see on the left side of the screen where we have these nice little chunks of activities that we have been able to achieve when generally what we're experiencing is more like what's happening on the right side, where our attention is so subdivided that we're actually getting less done and we're, we're spending um, so much 
time, actually we're losing so much time in terms of the switching costs, which are the black lines, right? You add up that time that it takes to get off task and to get back on task fully focused. How much time are we actually losing? How much are we actually getting done? And so we layer this on top of something that I call IDD, and, and its fullest expression is intention deficit disorder. And this is this idea that for many of us, we're waking up and we're moving through life sometimes and we're moving through our work on autopilot, right? And sometimes out of alignment with our purpose or our attention and our mission. And for many of us, perhaps we wake up first thing in the morning and we are grabbing our devices, we're responding to our social media messages, we are responding to emails, we're, we're responding to text messages, looking at the news. We're doing all those things sometimes before we even say good morning to the person that might be lying next to us. And so we, we spend our days in this perpetual state of, of being really connected in this way. And one of the challenges that we see is that there's actually a study that showed that we are so connected to our devices and so distracted by them that if given the choice between giving up a year of intimacy with our partners or going a year without a cell phone, nearly one-third of us said that we would give up intimacy with our partner. Again, nearly one-third of us said we would give up intimacy with our partner as opposed to going a year without our cell phones. And uh, another survey shows that about three-quarters of us actually bring our bed, uh, our phones to bed at night, and another quarter says that our phone is the last thing that many of us actually see at night. So the, the attachment that we have to our devices and how it's impacting our ability to be clear about our intention, how we're showing up for our life, our love life, and our work is very real. So with that being said, let's talk a little bit about a solution. And let's see if we can get the, the polls to work uh, a bit here. So I want to ask you about how much time you're spending online and using your digital devices. How has this changed since the pandemic? Has it decreased? Has it stayed the same? Has it increased? Um, you can let us know what that actually looks like for you. And then as we get um, responses, we'll be able to publish those, be able to publish those results. And it looks like for, for, for a number of folks, looks like we're seeing for a number of folks, it has stayed the same. For a number of folks, it has actually increased. For actually looks like for a vast majority of folks, about 70 plus percent of folks that are responding indicate that they have seen an, an increase in the amount of time that they're spending connected to their devices and connected to their technology. And I'll go ahead and publish the results here so that you can see those. But this is what we're seeing, right? And this is not uncommon with um, the polling that myself and a colleague have done across the world, really, with changemakers asking a variation of the same questions since the onset of the pandemic. So what is it that we are to do with this? What is it that we are to do with, with this information, and how do we actually respond to this? Well, one of the first things I want to share is this idea of walking and not running. And I don't know if any of you ever had the experience when you are in grade school like me where we often had fire drills. And when we had fire drills, uh, I remember the teacher and the principal would always say, walk and don't run. Walk and don't run. And I think as a, a little kid, um, I understood what was being asked of me, but I don't know if I fully understood why that was the case. All I knew is that we were excited to have a break from class and to go outside for this fire drill practice. Um, and so the, the idea of walking as opposed to running was really the last thing at, that we were paying attention to in, that, in those moments. But as an adult, 
I have a different appreciation of this, especially based on something that I learned about how first responders are trained to address an, a crisis or an accident when they respond to a scene. One of the things they're taught is to walk and to not run. Now, one of the obvious reasons for this is that if you're running, you risk perhaps tripping and falling and hurting yourself or hurting someone else. And then you obviously are not able to serve the person that you have been called to serve if you are a first responder. Uh, but one of the other reasons for this is that when you're running, you actually raise your cortisol levels. And when you raise your cortisol levels, uh, you actually lower your ability to be fully aware of everything that's happening in your surroundings and in your environment. So in the case of a first responder, if you're responding to a car accident and you run to the first person that you see, uh, perhaps you trip on a sharp object in the road that you didn't know was there. Uh, or perhaps you missed the fact that there are two other people on the other side of the car that also are in need of your assistance. And so if we think of ourselves as first responders for our love lives, we think of ourselves as first responders for our work, we think of ourselves as first responders for the people that we serve and our clients, then if we take an opportunity to actually walk and to slow down as opposed to running, then we actually position ourselves to be more fully present and available um, for all of those different areas of our lives. So how does this actually connect to technology? Well, I want to share this a really quick framework in terms of how this actually connects. I'll share a few strategies and we'll get into the Q&A. So if you have questions, um, you can go ahead and start to put those in the Q&A and we'll make sure that we have plenty of time to be able to address those. But in terms of being able to, to slow down, to be more mindful and intentional about how we're using our devices in ways that actually add value to our lives in ways that actually helps us to um, get our work done as opposed to distract us, one of the first things that slowing down allows us to do is it allows us to get clear about our aim or our intention. Remember previously I've talked about this idea of IDD or intention deficit disorder where we move about on autopilot, where we're busy, we have a calendar full of Zoom calls, for example, but we're not really clear about how those things actually help us to get to an impact, right? So we're exhausted, we're checking off things on our list, but all those things that we're actually checking off, things that actually move us forward in terms of mission, right? Personally and professionally. So you, the first thing you wanna do is you wanna be able to get clear about what your intention is for your day, for your week, personally and professionally. And then you wanna be able to make space for, for accomplishing priorities that are actually aligned with your intention. And I'll share a few ways that we can do that momentarily. You wanna be able to block the distractions, and then finally, once you've set your intention, you've made space for your priorities, you've blocked your distractions, you make space for you to have a robust love life in all of those areas that I talked about, right? For your purpose, for your family, for your friends, for your work, and you are able to live, to serve, and play in a robust way. So what are some simple ways that we can actually make this a reality? Well, here are a few things that we can do. Uh, one of the first things what we can do is to actually reclaim um, and make space by, by reclaiming our commute time. You know, for many of us, we no longer have the time that we were sitting in traffic or we were on the subway or the bus or perhaps walking to, to work or to a meeting. You know, we bump into someone at Starbucks or in the break room. And as a result of that, many of us have replaced that, that time with more work. We figure that if we can reclaim that time for work, then we can get more done, right? We can be more productive. But it's actually for many of us having the opposite impact because we aren't allowing ourselves that space that we need to recharge, to re-energize. 
um, recognizing that when we take that time, we actually are more effective. So having things like a start and stop ritual for your day, reclaiming that commute time to create a start and stop ritual. So for me, that includes prayer and meditation and working out and journaling before I start my day. And at the end of my day, that includes shutting my laptop lid, putting my laptop out of sight, and leaving my office, right? That is a signal that my workday has ended, even though I'm spending my time um, working from my home. Adding those things to your calendar and making sure that you're adding space for the non-work things and the non-work activities um, and not just those Zoom meetings. You want to add the time for the work you need to get done in between the meetings, your meal times, the time with loved ones, any other things that are priorities for you. Adding those things to your calendar are just as important as adding those meetings to your calendar. Something else that we can do is you can plan your day with pen and paper. Um, the most important thing is that you actually plan your day. And whether you're using a digital tool or a tool like here, this is a planner that I created. Um, and if you're interested, you can the link is there. I believe also provided in the resources. Um, but it's a tool that is uh, available to really help you to clearly identify your intention, your priorities aligned with that intention, and mapping out when and where you're actually going to do those things. And the added bonus is that when you do it um, actually by hand, you have the benefit of being able to, number one, in this hyper-connected world, be able to disconnect from the devices, right? Give your body and your mind a bit of a rest. And the second thing we know is from the science is when you write it down, you're more likely to remember it and you're more likely to actually follow through on it. So that's something that we can be doing for ourselves. Something else that we can be doing is, in addition to practicing social distancing to protect our loved ones, we can be protecting, we're practicing social distancing when it comes to our use of our devices, right? And so some simple things that we can do include turning off the notifications for things that aren't mission critical, right? So Instagram, for example, or the, the news alert app is not mission critical. You can turn off those notifications. You don't have to delete the app, but you can turn off those notifications so that you aren't interrupted um, throughout your day. And then you can charge your device outside of your bedroom, right? One of the challenges that we have with our devices is that we have replaced analog devices, and we've actually hired our phone to do, we essentially outsource things to our phone. And I'm going to argue that we need to actually fire our phones. We need to fire the phones and have them not be the alarm clock, have them not be the, the weather app, have them not be some of these other functions that we've allowed them to take over. And instead, in the case of charging your device outside of your bedroom, buy a real alarm clock, charge your devices outside of your bedroom. If you have a family, you can agree as a family that we have a bedtime for us to go to sleep. But let's also create a bedtime and a charging station for our devices at night as well. And you do the same thing as you're working in your workspaces. You can chunk your, your time as you're working and charge your phone outside of your workspace. And during your breaks, you can go check your phone if you can check your phone. Um, but allow yourself the space to um, actually get things done in an uninterrupted way. And then finally, I'll share with you something that I call uh, the rules of engagement. And this is really spelled out in a bit more detail in the article that Christine referred to in the, in the ebook, which you'll have access to. But it spells out things such as when you're available for your work and for your personal life, how to reach you when something is urgent versus non-urgent, and what actually constitutes urgency versus non-urgent, and when you will respond, right? Answering some of these basic questions, actually spelling these out, having this conversation with your friends, with your family, with your colleagues, um, is an opportunity for you to 
lower your anxiety level about expectations of when and how you're going to be available. You can, you know, feel free to step out for lunch, go walk the dog, go um, hang out with, you know, your, your kids or whatever it might be and not feel guilty um, for doing so because you have articulated and communicated parameters that actually works well for everyone. And so if something is truly an emergency and you're not in front of your phone or you're not in front of your email inbox, then folks know if they can wait to hear, hear from you or if it's an emergency, they know how to actually contact you a different way if it's actually something that's truly urgent. So as we come out of this, I've, I've shared a few strategies for mindfully and intentionally engaging with our devices and um, really reclaiming our, um, our love lives and all of its capacities and expressions um, so that we can be able to do good work but also be able to um, have a robust life outside of the work that we do. So I encourage us to think about, you know, just thinking about this, what's one new thing that you will try coming out of um, today's um, training? And if you're looking for a place, a simple place to start, uh, one of the things I want to share with you is a, a free workbook that I have just as a token of my appreciation for you joining. It's available here, mindfultechie.com slash free, also available, I believe, in the resources. And so it's a simple place to get started. It's free to help you to really begin to start to implement some of the things that we talked about um, in a more structured way 